call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 109 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host Donna Katirnan watched The Place Beyond the Pines and The Beat That My Heart Skipped. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. At the time of recording, The Beat That My Heart Skipped can be found on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram at Call Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations, please. Some people, you you might be listening to this and wondering uh, why there was no podcast last week, and I'll My tell you what happened. Broke. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened. It was like after we spoke, after I spoke into my microphone about the film You People, it just fucking fell apart. Yeah. It stopped working because it heard all the words it needed to hear. Look, no, let's tell the truth. Let's tell the truth. Because me and Andy had an adverse reaction to the film You People, they attempted to come for us. They attempted to cancel us. <laughs> we Jonah Hill attempted canceling, but it turns out that we're just at the exact point where the pendulum is starting to swing back, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The pendulum. Up yours, Jonah Hill. I don't think you're a surfer, dude. I think you're a bloated alcoholic. So there. He used to be very funny. I watched uh, that the uh, slam poetry scene from uh, 22 Jump Street the other day. That is funny. Cynthia. Come on. He God, was great. Actually, th- both of those films are hysterically funny. They are good. And I rewatched a... What was for me Jonah Hill's debut role just the other night? Well, super bad. Yeah, holes up like a motherfucker. That film is so funny. That's impressive. But you know who's the best thing in it? Has to be said, Michael Sarah. We'll uh, talk about, about Hater. It. No, it's um, Mince Plas because he's not an actor. Oh yeah, he's just yeah. A that's his that's his first role. He was like a high school kid, right? Oh my cast. god, he's just so funny in it. McLovin. Yeah, chicken. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. Okay, we're in much more serious territory it turns out yes yeah, so uh my coin toss pick was uh derek chiamfrancis uh the place beyond the pines in my life i have spent precisely seven and a half hours watching this how this many the third times time is that okay third time first time i saw this was uh at a at a house party with uh, there might have been substances involved who knows what a terrible house party film uh well Here's the thing is like this guy who was well on it. He was like just looking through people, somebody's like a DVD collection. And he's like, oh, man, you got to see this. Anybody who's got like stuff, tough stuff with with their father needs this to watch this. Where's this person from? He's uh, from Ireland. <laughs> really? Yeah, like he's like Belgian. No, he? no, no, no. He, like he's this guy was a hard man. And he's like, you got basically whatever the hard man way to say daddy issues. He's like, if you've got daddy issues, you need to watch this. So we put it on, and uh, I remember I really was quite taken with it the first time I saw it, actually. I, 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 I really did quite enjoy it. I remember thinking there's a lot of moving parts to this film. I remember feeling much the same the second time. This third time, I've got slightly different thoughts on it. How did you get along with it? Well, this is my first time watching it, and uh, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I, I mean, I was a big fan of Derek Chianfrance's first film, Blue Valentine. Yes, Enemy of the Show says it's uh, the greatest horror... M- Enemy of the Show, John Spillane, says the greatest horror movie of all time. Which is fair, because, like, that's one of my own concerns, is 
my hair thinning as much as Ryan Gosling's. And you getting a little pot belly, even though you're yeah, a hot yeah, piece yeah. of ass. Yeah, that's doesn't it. matter how that's, hot you are, Ryan. Nah, that pot belly is bad. It's bad. So I mean, I enjoy I enjoy Blue Valentine. I'd always Me put too. off uh, Place Beyond the Pines just because I think I'd heard this is the mad the mad thing about how this film is talked about, at least by people who maybe don't watch films very much, but. They're going like, it's a film of two halves. There's like the Ryan Gosling part and then there's a Bradley Cooper part. So I was like, oh, okay, it's a film of two halves. And then I watch it and it's like three Three perfectly (laughs) perfectly formed acts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a three-act structure. So when it got to the third act and it said 15 years later, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Yeah, yeah. I was completely thrown. I forgot about this because there was there's two things in this that completely threw me the first time around I watched it. One was the 15 years later and uh, the other one was I did not know Ryan Gosling was going to bite it. I did. Fucking 40 minutes That's in when I first things, saw it. Like, I just heard that from wherever, from reading too much about films. So I knew that Gosling was going to die. But that 15 year time jump, I was like, what the fuck? And to me, this this film really worked. I mean, the cast is insane. There's so many good people in it. It has like similarity with uh, Last of Us Part Two, without without going into spoilers. Okay. For anyone who's seen the TV series and hasn't and doesn't know where it's going, let me just say that it, it revisits the uh, sins of the father uh, slightly. So okay, yeah. So there's it, there's a lot of similarity there with this kind of time jump and and dealing with those details. So like, I really like this film. I liked it far more than I thought I was going to, and and it made me feel like I need to check out uh, Derek Jan France's other film, the one with Fassbender. The Light, Light Between, Between Oceans. Oceans. Does it not look like the most boring thing ever? It's also why I haven't watched <laughs> it. He he made some other like um, made a TV show. Yeah, the TV, TV show, show with like Ruffalo cuts off his hand. I watched the, the first episode of that. I it, it is amongst the most miserable things I've ever seen in my life. It's, well, he, it's extremely heavy That's going. what he does, though, right? I mean, he makes, like, realistic... Yeah, yeah, pe- people act in a realistic way, and events play out in reasonably realistic fashion. And that's, like, it's based on a novel about some guy who chops his hand off. Yeah. In, like, a public library. I mean, fair enough. That is what uh, he goes for. I, I think he's hitting it best. I think... Okay, of his two films that I've seen, uh, I do prefer... Um, Blue Valentine because in a strange way like I said loved this film the first two times I saw it and I still quite I loved it this time as well what am I talking about it's shot incredibly the performances yeah. like that's one thing I'll say the sh- the shooting in this film the long tra- like the opening shot of the film is wow yeah tracking shot of Gosling walking into like a cage Through a of carnival death. and just a uh, motorbiking like or it's one of those whatever that's called where you ride a motorbike and a, like a big metal ball it's incredible it, it, um, and there's plenty shots like that in the film there's lots of mirroring of shots between the generations him going on the motorbike and Dan DeHaan on the BMX or whatever but then when I think about I just I think that style of storytelling is slightly more suited to something like Blue Valentine which is not much happens in. The thing is, while I really liked this film, I feel like his style of shooting is, uh, how would I put it? It's kind of a reimagining of how you would tell stories like this, because this is quite a pulpy kind of a story. This is almost like a 70s movie if he what, he didn't go yeah, all Terrence Malick on it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like Yeah, do you know what it is? It's like ter- modern Terrence Malick directing a 70s Terrence Malick story. <laughs> Uh, not to say I didn't like it. I had a great time with it. 
But I do, I basically think watching it the third time around, it kind of, finally I was able to express what the niggle I had with it must have been the first two times around also. Still love it, but I just think I would love to see this story compacted a little bit, which is a boring criticism. I'm saying it could be shorter, but I'm not exactly saying that. Like less meditative, more in line with kind of punchy plottiness. Okay, I think it would be of benefit just to get the plot out of the way before discussing further. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean... Because it's a, like, it's a motherfucker of a plot. Yeah, there's a lot. But there isn't too much, but... Well, you see, I mean, it's already... it's We've got the three-act structure, so that helps. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I don't think it's too complicated of a plot to explain here. But it's like, I would rather explain it here before we talk about it and try and break it down. Because it is a sort of... Despite the fact that it is quite plotty and linear, it's also a bit of a, a, bit of a riddle, I would say. Because it's not quite clear what the film is trying to get at. I don't think. You don't think so? Well, you do. What do you mean? Well, like, I mean, isn't it like your There are your, themes. Isn't it like your mad mate said it's just like about like daddy issues, sins of the father type thing. Yeah, but I mean, do you think it draws a thesis on those? Well, like eventually Gosling's son doesn't kill Cooper. Like I think it's just mm-hmm. so it comes down to like forgiving those sins ultimately. Yeah. But I mean, okay. I think I think particularly thinking of, let's say, Blue Valentine. I think Derek Kian France, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I was going for some sort of Italian-y thing. I was like, Gianfranche. Okay. Who knows? Derek Gianfranche. I think he thinks a lot about the personalities of his characters and the the worlds in which he sets his movies. So I, I think there's aspects of it that are slightly more complicated than that. Okay. So, for example, like Ryan Gosling... Like Luke Lanton in the film, sorry, Luke. Which Lanton is a good name. I like. It's a great name. Great Luke movie Lanton. Name. He is. He's not really father material at the end of the day, and he is a bank robber who starts to get into it in a sort of a Walter White way. Like he starts to enjoy the bank robbing. They talk about in the film, like he's got like a long record. He's like a. I mean, he's not like he just like broke bad. He's like a full on criminal. Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, he was I, I already get... like a piece of shit. But that's the thing. Is like only when. You see him at a distance. Can you fully get on board, I feel, with how much of a piece of shit his character is? Because when he's up close, he's so fucking good looking because he's Ryan fucking Gosling. I guess, but he looks ridiculous. He looks like a Ken doll, which is good because he's playing Ken, Charlie, mm. in the Barbie film. But That's right. He looks like a Ken doll that's been tattooed too yeah. much, like bad fucking Joker The tattoos, tattoos aren't great. Eva Mendez, it might it might just be because she's Mexican or something, but I can buy her being that hot and that down on her look. It might like, but I find even though I think his performance is okay, I do generally genuinely think he's too fucking pretty to live. To be I, fair, she wasn't trying to have a relationship with him. She just wanted to bang him out and then was done. So yes, yes, fair. yes. But like, th- like that's the thing is like, okay, so. This is why I want to run through the plot real quick. So, okay, so Luke Lanton, he's, yeah, as you say, a career criminal almost, but he's also a very good motorcycle man. He's he's also like a, he's just like a carny. So he's he's a carny. He's literally, he's a carny. Yeah, he's traveling around. He's a carny, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in Schenectady, uh, New York. Yeah, Schenectady, which which is Mohawk for the place beyond the pines. I did not know that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. uh, The local native language. Anyway, Luke Lanton gets back into town, looks up, well, no, his old uh, lover, um, Romina, looks him up. Which um, is just someone that he'd, like, banged the year before. Yeah, it's yeah. not like they Passes were, like, town. yeah, yeah, it's not like they had, like, this amazing love story. I think he just 
But now she's shagged her. And she's kind of got herself a real man, or so yeah. it would seem. Guy Mahershala called, Ali. Yeah, yeah. Guy called Kofi. Which again, this the cat. This cast is insane. Yeah, it is one of the. I guess everybody must have wanted films. to work with him after. Blue I think Valentine. so. That, Blue Valentine was hot the year yeah, it came yeah, out. Like. Yeah, well, that that got Oscar nominations, right? Got a few. Uh, I don't know. Can't say off Let's the top bring of my it head. Pull it up. It got one. Michelle Williams for best actress. She won for this. Nominated. She got nominated. Okay, okay. She won for something else, didn't she? Um, Manchester by the Sea or something like that? I think so, yeah. I think she did win for that. Well, maybe I'm just pulling that out of my mind. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that too. She's oh, got five Academy Award nominations. Broadback Mountain, Manchester by the Sea, Best Actress, Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn and The Fablemans. She hasn't won a, She hasn't won any Oscars. Wow. She won the Golden Globe for My Week with Marilyn. So yeah, she's with uh, Mahersha uh, Ali. And uh, Luke is like, dang it, because he just, he discovers that uh, she had his kid a year ago as well. So he opts to sort of stick around in town um, and he begins working for a guy called Robin, who's played by Men- Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, again. legend. Legend. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Enemy of the show. I also immediately realized, oh, there is something to compare Barry Keown to. Barry Keown has Ben Mendelsohn Do you think vibes. so? Yeah. That's good, it. because like that is, that's a, that's a great career. Think about all those amazing roles he's done over the years. Well, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn is one of my favorite actors. And we working. saw, I mean, like that early Ben Mendelsohn role that we saw the uh, year that my voice broke. Oh, yeah, and he's incredible in that, too. That's, uh, that's one of the greats, and he was like 17 or something. No, he is one of my favorite actors working today. Yeah, I'll watch great. anything Same. on the strength of him being in it, except if it's Star Wars again. He was good in Rogue One. He was, yeah, yeah, to be fair, but he's good in everything, I suppose. Yeah, so then he gets into bank robbing with this fella um, in order to throw some money around uh, to his family um, and he lives in a in a caravan ne- next to where Robin lives which looks awful <laughs> anyway they do a bunch of um, bank robberies and he gives money to Romina and then they end up having sex and there seems to be the hint for a few seconds that uh, they might give it a go only in like a it has like a sort of doomed blue valentine. I don't know. It doesn't, oh, it does feel, like it's good, it doesn't feel like it's going to work out. As an audience member, you know it's doomed. Yeah. You you do. And then like one day he comes around to their house with a new cot trying to assemble it. Romina and Kofi come back and Kofi confronts him, tells him to get out and he wackadoodles him on the head with a spanner. It's quite violent, that scene. Yeah. yeah even though if it's not very bloody, you really feel the impact of it. Again. And he also, re- he just says like, yeah, he tells the... Yeah, to uh, tells us yeah, he's like he just like call the police, but he's completely calm. Yeah, like he's just whacked this guy over the head with like a wrench or something. Uh, yes, which kind of I mean he's almost got a bit of a death wish. Not not even almost because he does later tell Romina to not tell the kid about him at all. Mm. So I suppose he has a low enough opinion of himself as well. The thing is, you do immediately get the sense around this time it would have been for me anyway that he never knew his father. Or his father was a piece of shit. Something along those lines. He did not have a good upbringing. And he is moved to, to kind of give this kid a good upbringing, but he might not be suited for it. And that becomes evident when he whacks Kofi on the head with a spanner. Anyway, he immediately, um, he leaves the house. Uh, they obviously uh, fall out. He says he wants to do more um, robberies. And then uh, they have a, an argument. And in a move I didn't quite understand, really, uh, Robin cuts his bike to bits. I think he just doesn't want Luke to go and do the job. Like he doesn't want him to end up in jail. Is he not doing it like to be a friend? A friend or yeah, I think so. 
Maybe, yeah. It's weird. I think it, yeah, it works it's, for the plot. A, in but a I, I agree. Way. Is like motivation is a bit mixed because um, part of it feels like it's a fuck you. At the same time, it feels like it's like a mix between going like fuck you, but also this is for your own good. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Anyway, he goes. He uh, then he, Luke gets mad about that. Puts a gun in Robin's mouth and uh, robs Which is him. A bit much. Gets the uh, gets the money. Buys a new motorbike, but that does not uh, go well. And then he gets into a. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I had I was having this conversation. I've probably had this conversation with you, you with you before as well. But it's like, so I've been recently. I, I recently uh, rewatched uh, John Wick one and two. Let's say now John Wick the first one, very good film, and, and immediately. I got a sense of just there's something very postmodern and disconnected about the action in in the second one, and I did I got the sense that even it like even in something like uh, the French Connection where there's that fantastic car chase and there's a couple of, there's a, a good shootout and everything like that, you need all the characterization and emotional work around that for the chase to work at all. And I just think the chase in this is an example of just perfectly executed kind of action in an emotional sense. Because the chase is filmed amazingly, that mm. police chase. It's incredible. But also, it really, really works with where the film is going thematically. Do you get my meaning? Does it work in a way because we see Bradley Cooper and as a film goer, even in 2012, is like, that's the guy from The Hangover. So they're going no, like, oh, I know who that is. I don't think you see... You, the chase is... Do you not... Oh, you see him good, like toward, yeah, towards... Yeah, it's the like end towards the, the end, isn't it? Yeah. No, I think it works so well because you've seen footage of him driving a lot. And then you you've see, like you know he's a kind of a a loose cannon, and then by that point that he just goes that he engages, this is going to be a police chase. You can by that moment, I can't remember how I felt exactly first time around, but even if they didn't, you weren't too into films like you were. I don't think him dying at the end of that would have been too much of a surprise because it just feels like desperate, and I I don't know. I just, I think it, it, that's a fantastic uh, car, uh, chase to be honest. And yeah, then Bradley Cooper. Is this on, is act this is act two. Yeah, is on the same street where he, he runs into a this house. This is almost act two, okay. Yeah, and then Bradley Cooper chases him up the stairs and guns him down in what I would say is completely fair play. Yeah, justified. Yeah, it's yeah. like a justified homicide. That's fine. Like totally I mean, is a justified homicide. Um He was gonna like Gosling was gonna pull his gun out. Which this is what I'm getting at when Just I say a, it is, it is slightly thing. more complicated than how it would be because, yeah, Ryan Gosling's character kind of deserves to die and Bradley Cooper's character didn't necessarily do anything wrong. But that's when, I mean, it's it's fine, but it's where we start going into... Uh, Old Brothers Coopers. Well, that is the start of his arc, but also the kind of Ray Liotta corruption angle and... Yeah, exactly. It's like you get, uh, you know, it's like you get a side uh, plot into Copland for a few minutes. But this is a, so much of the criticism I saw of this film was was it was just people saying, "Oh, I like the Ryan Gosling part. I wish it kept going like that." Yeah, and I disagree completely. I disagree too, mainly because well, we all have Drive for that. If you want to scratch that itch, you can go watch Absolutely. fucking Drive. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, I did like for me. I thought. Uh, uh, First of all, a film, not enough plaudits can be thrown at the fact that they make this film work across multiple generations. That shit's not easy to do. No. Also, I had, at this point, after... And uh, no fat suits or, or wigs or anything, like... the this At this point where, like, he's, where, where he dies here, like, that's, like, 40, 50 minutes into mm. the film or something. And I was like, where is it going now? Is Bradley Cooper going to shag Eva Mendes? Like, I just had no... 
I had no clue of where it was going. It does go somewhere very interesting then. The, yeah. I would honestly say the second act is probably my favorite. It was this time around anyway, because I just think it's really where it ends, which we'll get to, of course, it really surprised me where it ended. Like, as in where Bradley Cooper's character ends. Right. So, yeah, basically, um, Bradley Cooper, who's now, be- he's because he takes a bullet from Ryan Gosling as well, so he's put in hospital. He's clearly not in a good place with his with his own wife, uh, who he has a baby with. Um, Who's um, Rose uh, Byrne. Yeah, Rose, that's right. Rose, Rose Byrne, Byrne is in it. And then, um, yeah, so Ray Liotta and the boys, who, uh, you know, I mean... He's, that's like, that's a fucking, just a textbook Liotta yeah, role. Uh, he's playing Ray Liotta. But again, he's he's brilliant. He's so good at it. He's so well, good. There's, there's that one scene where he, like, he's he, waves, he waves Cooper over at the side of the road, and then pulls up next to him and just stands at the window. I've never He's scary. seen a scarier face. Yeah, yeah, He's he is so very scary. scary. I'm, I've mentioned it before, but his entrance into something wild is, is similar. very I much that energy. It's it. just terrifying. He's a dangerous man. Yeah. Run. Cooper, uh, Cooper get, what's, uh, what's his name again? Yeah, I don't know. He's Bradley, Bradley Coops. Yeah, Bradley B- Coops, B- Coops gets picked He's up by... He's called Avery Cross, which is a, it's a weird one. He gets picked up by Ray Liotta to go, um, basically to go around to uh, Eva Mendes's house yeah. to search it for drug for money that uh, Glanton might have left over there. So, which they they do, they dive right in and they eventually find it in the baby's crib and they hand it to Bradley Cooper and it's like, yeah, he's basically into something not unlike the Rampart Ring, let's say. Which Everyone is, else is coming to that house being like, we're going to find all the fucking cash. And he comes in and he's like, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's riddled with uh, just a, a touch of guilt. And he's already been investigated a little bit in the hospital to make sure everything was above board with this by the district attorney. Yeah, the DA played by uh, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, another yeah. Fucking Great just, cast. Just, just all over the, just everyone. Everyone must have wanted to work on it. Yeah. And do you know what is, it, there's a lot to be said for the fact that I mean, what what year did this come out? 2011, 2012. 2012. So in a sea of like comic book movies, this is kind of like a 70s movie, basically. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's it's just a small town American crime plot. Like it's, yes, it must have been very interesting because there wasn't much. And does it have it on the Wikipedia how much the budget was? Uh, yeah, 15 million. And did it make it back? Yeah, it made 47.1. Grand job. It's weird that uh, he's, well, maybe Life Between Oceans uh, lost him a little bit. But anyway. Anything with Michael Fassbender in it's bound to fail. <laughs> I feel like he's had a lot of misses. Has he actually? Yeah, I think so. I didn't know that. I thought Assassin's he was Assassin's Creed type things. Oh, right, I don't think enough. so. Any road. So now he's in with the Rampart boys, but uh, he doesn't feel too hot about it. it, it it's fair to say, um, yeah, he's not so morally in on the game as the others. So what he does is... I think he, I can't remember what, he makes some recordings or other, but he, he ditches them and rats them out, rats the whole ring of them out, but makes a deal with the DA that says, you don't get my te- testimony unless I get to be a, a DA soon. That's the end of that act, pretty much. And it is, it, to be fair, it's like, whoa. Because I didn't really see that swing in his character coming. I thought he was generally in it for the for what he was doing. I thought he was a so, so yeah, it's rare. It's rare to see that where someone could leverage a situation and then go to the DA and go like, yeah, you, you need to give me a job and I'll give you all these corrupt officers. And like Greenwood, who clearly does give the impression of being a morally <laughs> upstanding man, him. is fucking disgusted by it. He was evil. But this, that, this, he is what makes, this is what makes that 15-year time jump so insane to mm. just be like, now he's like the fucking attorney general. He's running for attorney general. 
Yeah, him and Rose Byrne are no longer together. Yeah, so it's 15 years later, which is 2012. This The, the Wikipedia plot synopsis says it starts in 1993, 1994. There's nothing in the film that made me think that it was like 1993. Hmm. Yeah, like that's true. Star in the first story, I just it never occurred to me. So 1993 was the first story. So then the se- 2012 is when 2012 is, when, is where we are yeah, at the end. Which of is the- when the film came out. Fair enough. So then they both have grown up sons. Well, they both. Uh, Ryan Gosling is dead, obviously. Well, not grown up either. They're teenagers. Yeah, Seventeen or something. Um, Dan DeHaan is a stoner. Emery Cohen is a dickhead. Emery, Emery, Cohen, Emery Cohen is like a, a Brooklyn fucking like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just, very, just, um, just, uh, he's a, Wahlberg a Wigger by way of Jersey Shore, I think yeah, would be yeah, fair yeah. to say. He's a, but he's a total dickhead. Um, what are you guys doing? Dan DeHaan's character is a kind of meek stoner or something. It's a very Dan DeHaan character. I'm going to have to stop you there. It's Dane, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan, I do apologize. But I mean, he's Dan to his friends, I assume. <laughs> you know him better than me. Very Dane DeHaan character, I think it's fair to say. He's also a guy who's like probably when when it was, when it, uh, when this was filmed, he was probably like 25 or something. Oh, I... He definitely was not a teenager. No, I wouldn't imagine. Because I've seen him now, he's like he's about my age, and uh, his skin is cracking. He's thirty-seven. He's thirty-seven. He's younger than me, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But good teenage look for himself. Yeah, he was certainly passable. And uh, he plays Glanton's son, who's grown Jason up with uh, Kofi as a father and Eva Mendes as a mother. And Emery Cross, yeah, Emery Cross's son, Avery. Avery Cross. So, what's the what's the name of the son? Uh, AJ. AJ, right. So. AJ basically gets kicked out of one school and arrives in another. He's Yo, like, this school's fucking gay. That's fucking bullshit, yeah, yeah. man. So he's a bit of a troublemaker. He spots that... Give me some oxies. He spots that Dan, that Dan DeHaan is probably a weed a smoker. Stoner. So he sits down with them, suggests they ditch class. They do ditch class. They have a bit of fun. It's a bit homoerotic uh, vibes. Yeah, they're getting on well together. They're having a good a gay old time. Indeed. And they get into a little bit of trouble. They get caught buying some drugs. And both put in the drunk tank, so to speak, the teenage drug tank, uh, rather. And, um, yeah, Bradley Cooper strictly warns his son, do not fuck with that kid. Do not mess around with him. Which is kind of, I suppose, he feels a pang of guilt for killing his dad. Also, you know, doesn't want to be called up on robbing his house that one time. Well, he's, just, he's, run, he's running for fucking attorney general of New York. Yeah, does in not fairness. need that going against him but the two kids continue to sort well first of all uh, your man sort of ignores him he doesn't really get what's happening the two kids sort of start to ignore one another and then what starts off uh, Dane DeHaan on asking about his father again he goes does he not how does he end up going to see Ben Mendelsohn yeah why does he go and see Ben Mendelsohn oh because Kofi he goes and has yes, ice cream yes, yeah. with Kofi but and something Kofi kicks off him, him asking about a, something kicks off him asking about his dad. Probably when he gets arrested. No, it's not that first. And then he's Kofi's like he goes and has ice cream of Kofi, and Kofi's like, "I'm your real dad." But no, he tells he, him his dad. He tells him his dad's name was uh, Luke. No, because he asks. He asks his mom, but is it not like in relation to maybe because AJ is talking about his dad or something? I can't remember now. Uh, there is something that sets it off. I don't I think. think it's a huge deal. No, no, it's not. But he starts asking about his dad. Kofi tells him the dad's name. And through, I don't know, the internet. The internet. 
fucking 2012 internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He uh, ends up going out to where Ben Mendelssohn still is, and Ben Mendelssohn tells him a bunch about his dad, probably feeling guilty from cutting up his bike that time or something like that, and tells him I was the greatest. <laughs> yeah, because he says, like, yeah, the, uh, you know, someone cut up his bike, yeah. and the police took it away. And then Dane DeHaan's character sort of seems to get a great old strength from that. And there's these wonderful shots of him flying back through the countryside that very much echoes Ryan Gosling on his bike earlier. Um, and he lo- he he knows who killed his father and everything. He's all up on that information. He doesn't know who that person is. He's seen a photo of him. He's seen a photo yeah, of, Bradley of, Cooper of Bradley Cooper and everything as a police officer in, back in the day. So then back in school, uh, AJ being a big dick says, we're going to have the this party and I want you to steal us some drugs. Um, and he eventually caves and does it. This is one of the druggiest parties I think I've ever seen. I was actually mm-hmm. seriously concerned for their health. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were drinking so much and doing oxy. I was worried for them. Very euphoria already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, anyway, I was never at parties like that. I, no, I no, I haven't been people. I haven't been to that type of party where someone was like, "I got, uh, yo, I, I got this, gonna, this drug that's I'm crippling the Midwest of America." Inject heroin into my eye. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, and then we've got another echo of him hopping over a counter to rob a pharmacy, which he does. Which is impressive. Yeah, yeah. Good job. And legs it out with the pills, arrives to the party, and uh, takes an oxy, is uh, scoring with his hot babe, and then he sees a picture of Bradley Cooper. And he's like, isn't that the guy from The Hangover? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he he sees that it's Bradley Cooper, and he's like, what the actual H? And then he confronts AJ about a punch of him in the face. AJ beats the shit out of him, puts him in hospital. When he gets out, he goes to the place where he normally buys his drugs, buys a gun, goes, beats the shit out of AJ, takes takes Bradley Cooper as a hostage. And as a viewer, you're... I would say, because for watching it the first time, mm. I felt that he might have killed AJ. You yeah. guess that you feel that AJ's probably dead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, but no, he kidnaps Bradley Cooper. They go to the other end of the Take woods. Take him to and the place beyond leaves. the pines. Yeah, he leaves him there and takes his car, doesn't he? Well, but I mean, it has the scene where I mean, Avery Cross uh, basically says sorry and yeah, offsets the whole thing, and then. Are you talking about like previous to this? No, 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 no. No, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, afterwards. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Takes uh, his car, Jason takes away. a car, and then yeah, he Bradley runs, Cooper he ends up running and winning the yeah. district attorney, and, and that's like that's like the type of thing that in a lot of films wouldn't happen. Yeah, is that like Bradley Cooper wins the attorney general and it's very election and he his... celebrates with his son. Yeah, there. AJ joins him on stage after everything, yeah, yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. him sort of beginning to follow in his father's footsteps. Uh, yeah, and Jason has just become uh, has become his dad. Yeah, because he goes and buys this motorbike with cash and just uh, rockets away. And he's like, away. I know how to ride this, even though I've never done it before. Yeah. Because my dad. I suppose you're right. I suppose it is as sort of straightforward of a thesis as that. It is about like sort of yeah, forgiveness yeah, like, and letting go and... It is very Last of Us too. I can't... It's <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. Fair enough. It's a beautifully shot film. The music is fantastic, too. Yeah, the music's by uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More. That's right. And I ended up, like, reading a bunch on his... He's a crazy talented individual who just works all the time on a million different things. It's not for me, most of his music, but, yeah, he does a lot. Yeah. What, you're not a a Faith No More fan? No. Okay. I don't mind them. I like their cover of that BG song. You know that one I started a joke? No. They do a good cover of that. Anyway... Cast, an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I imagine she and France just um, 
yeah, got killed with requests to work for him after uh, Blue Valentine came out. Blue Valentine having been in development for about eight years. Did you know that? I, yeah, I mean, I remember it took him a long time to get things made. He's a man who... I, is he working on something right now? I'm not. I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, uh, I can't really see anything. So you'd wonder how people like this continue to make money, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I often think of that when I see, like, I mean, because, you know, it's not like you can just make a movie and get he's paid in, forever. He's in, he's in pre-production on two films. One of them is Empire of the Summer Moon, which Empire is the, the Comanche thing. I think I've, I think I've read that book. Yeah, I think it was like a man, Shane. I think Shane uh, was big into that one. And the other thing is Wolfman, starring Gosling. An actual... Werewolf story. Looks like it. Man becomes affected by an ancient curse after he is bitten by a werewolf. So Ryan Gosling is a werewolf. You got that to look forward to. My goodness. Well, let's talk about Ryan Gosling, who started in the, the Disney Club. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then just went on to gain massive credibility. When did he start to gain credibility? How many of his movies have you seen? A lot. I've seen a... I, there was a point early on where I really really liked him and i watched i've seen so many from the first half of his career have you seen the united states of leland yeah i have i don't like that movie (laughs) i remember i remember um a girl i knew as a teenager recommended it to me and uh, you know i was all as a teenager into movies i was all into anything pretentious and that's hyper pretentious but i still remember thinking yeah i'm still against the guy who uh, murdered the disabled boy (laughs) you haven't convinced me film the first Ryan Gosling film I watched was The Believer. The, oh, that's the one where he's Jewish the Jewish neo-Nazi one. The Jewish neo-Nazi, yeah. yeah. I saw that around the time it came out as well. But mm. I was a big fan of uh, Half Nelson. Yeah, Half uh, Nelson the, is the, he's uh, incredible. That's a, and, he, and he's teacher. brilliant in that. He's Yeah, he's got real chops, as they might say. I knew a lot of girls who recommended Lars and the Real Girl to me. Did I didn't enjoy like it. No, I didn't enjoy that either, yeah. yeah it's just a, a weird, creepy thing to try and be made to it empathize. It had no with. energy to it. I just, it just fell flat to me, I remember. Yeah, not a fan. But then, um, you know, around the time he just really shot to everybody's eye was, um, of course, with Drive, Drive and Blue Valentine, which must have come out around the same time, did they? Yeah, Blue Valentine was 2010 and Drive was a year after. Then he got to, um, I mean, direct his own his, his own film, which is okay. I quite like Lost River. I like the music, as I mentioned before, Johnny Jewel. He's very soundtrack. good in uh, The Ides of March. That was fine. Yeah, that's the uh, Clooney one. Yeah, yeah, the Clooney one. I don't know how much I've seen. I don't know his acting abilities stretched, let's say, but I think yeah. he's got. I think he's got great charisma. Yeah, I think if he stays within his wheelhouse, he's very, very effective in roles. Well, I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Solid, nice guys. He did comedy, La La Land. Not fan particularly, but he did his singing and dancing. I quite like La La Land, but again, I do consider that's him staying within his wheelhouse. I like. Yes, but he had to do some singing and dancing. Yeah, well, I mean, he was born in. Walt I didn't Disney. like La La Land because they both kind of made it at the end. <laughs> it's just the most unrealistic part. Did they both make it? Well, like he buys his jazz club, and she's in films. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's but pro- they didn't get to be together. Yeah, but like they got their f- dream. They got but their, not like, to be together. No, but that's they the got point the- of the movie. They sacrificed love for the dream. But like the fact that they got the work dream, they can bang out tons of other people. They got the job. So what ending would you have preferred to La La Land? I'm confused. No, I'm just saying like, yeah, they should have... Jeez, he has they- not done much since La La Land. Yeah, I know. Very few things. Well, my ending would be they don't end up together. She's like... 50th on the cast list on something 
or is doing porn in the valley and he is like he's homeless like in the center of LA and he's just I agree lying. I, he's lying in a gutter that's far more realistic I prefer and that and the music indie. and then the musical just <laughs> the, it, apart from, it, it moves from show tunes to just weird kraut rock kind of that and that's sure. the songs that the, the cast are bashing out um of course he might have been a little bit distracted on the set of a uh, place beyond the pines because he got to uh, uh, doing rumpity pumpity with Eva Mendes was with that who, with who he still met? does it yes they're together I know, but was that where they met? I believe so, yes. Hmm. And she is mostly retired as well. He's half retired, I feel. I Are like... saying half retired? Huh? <laughs> he's half retired. Well, I mean... He's... I wasn't sure that's what you were saying. <laughs> he's half retired. <laughs> but, I mean, he's he's hardly working anymore. Certainly not... The to... guy doesn't need to, does he? I mean, he's got Barbie he's coming out. He's got the fall guy next year, allegedly. But this is it. I kind of think like I like it when I see this. I I like it when people uh, don't um, appear to be chasing more fame with uh, their prolificness. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like you know, it's got kids with Eva Mendes as well. Eh? They're doing all that. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's have you I heard mean. any of his music? It's, it's no. dog shit. <laughs> Stay away. I heard listen to his album. It's called Dead Man's Bones. He was in a, a duo with a guy called Zach Shields. Is it not good? And it was the album was recorded with uh, a children's choir, the Silver Lake Conservatory Eesh. Children's Choir. Yeah, nah, don't, don't, I did not like it. Yuck. Anyway, yeah, Eva Mendes is a nice lady and a worthy uh, spouse for the lead of Place Beyond the Pines. Also in the cast, of course, got uh, Dane DeHaan, who hasn't been working much recently either, but is great in um, what's its chops, Chronicle, of course. He was also in that uh, Fantastic Four, wasn't he? I never watched it, but I heard he's in it. Well, it would make sense if he's uh, if he was friends with um, yeah, Josh what's his Trank. name, Josh Josh Wank. Josh Wank, indeed. Mm. Uh, Emery Cohen has done fuck all. No, he wasn't then. in it. He wasn't in the uh, Fant Four Stick Fantastic Four. Was that how it was? It was like Fant Four Stick, something like that. Yeah, it was terrible. <clears throat> um, the last thing I saw Emery Cohen in, he's actually great. He's in, in Brooklyn. I haven't seen that. Um, I'm referring to uh, the OA. Oh, OA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, Homer from the OA, uh, Brit Marling series, which I'm a huge fan. The film Brooklyn was produced by uh, by the sister of one of the enemies of the show, Anne Dwyer. <laughs> really? Yeah, Fanola Dwyer. She's like a, she's a big uh, Hollywood producer. Yeah. I knew nothing of this. Oh, you don't know about this? Okay. No, no, no. Where I go? We know, we know, <laughs> we're great mates with the... Uh, Sister of the producer. Yeah, maybe we could interview her after that person who wrote that movie. Yeah. What was that movie? Which? You talked to the writer of a movie during the summer. Oh know? yeah, what's his job? I can't remember his name. What's he called? The guy who wrote um the guy who wrote uh, Robin Hood Men and Tights. That's I've it. already forgot his name. He's nice. He's a really nice guy. Ben Mendelsohn is, I think, uh, both of us one of our favorite actors. I like him in everything. He's fantastic. He's a great one of yeah, the greats. Yeah. I'll truly, truly watch him in uh, in anything except another Marvel movie, and he'll probably be in more of those. Well, he is. He's, he's like a scroll or whatever, isn't he? Yeah, it's one of them. Marvel he's sucks, a scroll. Man. Isn't Marvel done now? Jonathan Majors got done for he got he he got lifted for uh, doing something nasty to his wife. He got or his lady friend. What like did he, he got into? Yeah, I think so. They got into some kind of fisticuffs, and uh, he he got taken to jail. Oh wow, that's so not like good. that's like the end of the that's, Kang story, <laughs> that's the like... end of Kang. Yeah. Well, it's also, they news. fired a big um, head of production over there. 
because their movies are losing money. It's not looking yeah, good. Yeah, it's dog shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just go, like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like we're on the cusp of a, a new burge of cre- creativity in Hollywood, um, like the 70s. Not quite as good, but anyway. Uh, Rose Byrne is a hot piece of ass. She's great. And do you know who she's married to? No, who? She's married to Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. Nice, it's, it's, Bobby. That's a, a hot couple. Yeah, they are kind of hot. Even though he irks me sometimes. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I think I always just think of him as his character from Blue Valentine. He's in Blue Valentine? Yeah, he's... Um, I remember that. He's the love interest pre-Louis C.K. of Kate Blanchett's sister, who's played by indie darling... That's not Blue Valentine. You're talking about uh, Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine. That's exactly I was like, what Blue I'm Valentine. I was like, where the fuck is he? <laughs> and when you said Louis C.K.'s in Blue Valentine, I, that threw me. Yeah, Louis C.K. plays later Ryan Gosling. Nice. Well, it is similar. <laughs> He's going the same way hair-wise. Yeah, Mahershala Ali. Yeah, I know, I know how to say this because I, I read it on the thing, but it's Mahershala. 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 Mahershala Ali. Uh, he looks super young in this film. I mean, I know I it's 10 brag. years ago, but... I don't think he'll ever play Blade at this point. No, he's too old. He's 49. Yeah. Surely that Blade film's not going to happen. No. Just bring back Wesley. God, wouldn't it be incredible if uh, they just decided to cut their losses and just say, <laughs> and the Marvel Universe is over. It's done now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not Start again, just though. reboot. They're going to have to make a few more flops before that happens. Bruce, Bruce Greenwood, Ray Liotta. Nice boys. Ray Nothing Liotta's said dead, of this course. Guy he is, friend of the show. Very sad. Died in his sleep. Did he die in his sleep? That's not bad. Yeah, it's a better way to go, isn't it? But I mean, his his last film is uh, Cocaine Bear, which yeah. just came out. Not great. Actually, he's got a few other things coming out. He's still got he? a, Yeah, he's got a few other uh, posthumous releases on the way. Fool's Paradise, which is uh, written and directed by Charlie Day. Not bad. The Substance by some other person. Some other shite and some other shite. Yeah. Anyway, he was he he was in Blackbird. 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 It's the thing with Taron Taron Egerton and Paul Walter Hauser. It's uh, created oh, by yeah. Dennis Lehane. It's like a mini series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want I want to watch that. It's, it's on Apple, Apple TV. Uh, yeah. TV Plus. I may start it. I started Apple TV Plus's latest thing. I don't think I'll get beyond that. The prize behind the door or something like that. The behind the door prize. It's a weird Chris O'Dowd's in it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's concerning a, for me. Not a Chris O'Dowd fan. Not really, not really. Uh, the first Crystal Diet thing that comes to mind, I mean, it's like aside from the things that he's in there are decent, is he was in a film called Festival about the Edinburgh Festival and back in like 2005. A, f- a narrative film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he play a comedian in it? Yes. Oh, that doesn't sound good. It's not, but that, I mean, that's, that's not his fault, to be fair. Like, it was just a bad idea. Yeah, isn't it? Like, anybody who's ever been near the world of stand-up, just, uh, I think I would... Sh- I shy away from films about stand-up because I know they they won't get it right, number one. And number two, if I found out that there was a film that did get it right, I would think that's going to be way too depressing. Yeah, I'm not watching that. I was going to ask you, this is a, a Inside Lewin th- Davis, that's why that works, because it yeah, sneaks exactly. it in. It sneaks it's, it in. It's that's a stealth it bomber. That, that's why it is like the stand-up film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute stealth bomber. I was going to ask you, this is this is a thing I want to turn this into an actual, this is going to be like a, a kind of ongoing section, I think. I can Excellent. turn this into a thing. So on IMDb, when you go to a film, it gives you plot keywords, which have been upvoted. So I've got like a top five plot keywords for Mm. these two films. So starting now with Place Beyond the the Pines, do you think you can guess any of the top five plot keywords? Father. No. What? (laughs) Any derivation of the word 
Father? No. Uh, okay, uh, I'll give you two more guesses. Motorcycle. Nope. Okay. Um, crime. No. Okay, go on. What is <laughs> Bank robbery. Okay. Bank robber. Okay. <laughs> Interracial relationship. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Illegitimate son and then neo-noir. And then later on in the list, further down, there's picture of sexy girl on wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then also nipples visible through clothing. Just to give you an idea. Who's that's nipples? what this, this is what I is it Eva Mendes? Well, I'll have to rewatch it if it is. I think it might be. Yeah, I saw it characterized as a neo noir. I don't think this is a neo noir. It's not <laughs> cynical neo-noir. enough. Neo noir. I think it's an optimistic film in an odd way. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it. It. It's, it's, yeah, it's. It. It has as close to a happy ending as this film could have, realistically. Yeah, it's, it's everyone like I was saying, gets it, on it's, okay. It's basically, no one dies. I, I mean, I, in twenty twelve. The estimation of it that I'm happy. The sorry. The the summation of it that I'm happiest with that I came up with is um, it's like modern day Terrence Malick directing Badlands. Yeah, I, th- I like that. Yeah, that's you got it. Anyway, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, yeah, I did really like this. Uh, I probably won't watch it for many years if I watch it at all again. I've seen it three times now. But I would watch more it than a second time. To. I will potentially watch it again. Biggest takeaway for me in this one is how much I had always thought, like I, don't, I had always remembered it mostly as the first and last act. Um, but the, uh, this time around, the one that stuck out to me the most, mm. maybe because I wasn't watching hard enough, was the middle act and just how that could be a movie all on its own. Yeah, act. well, it is. Like you said, it's called Copland. Indeed, yeah. There we go. Uh, Rightio. And now, the reason I suggested the next topic is because I had seen so it already. I wanted to watch it. And uh, I wanted to talk about daddy issues, quite frankly. Daddy. Yeah. Zaddy. And I do think that Jack Odiard's 2005 film, Beat That My Heart Skipped, comes at daddy issues from a whole different direction. And for my money... A better one. I still would probably prefer uh, Beat the My Heart Skipped. I may have built it up too much, but I'm yeah. a huge fan of this, this film. I'm intrigued because like, we've watched four Jacques Audiard films for the podcast, Deep and Prophet, Rust mm. and Bone, and this. And this is uh, this is at the bottom of the list for me. I like this film, but really? like, I like it. I mean, it's a good film, but like, I like his other films that I've seen more. Oh, wow. Because I think I love this film. I, I think there's something about... There's two things that I love about it. Firstly, there's the regular Jack Odiard stuff of uh, just montage uh, montage and story happening. But I also love the fact that almost everything happening in the real world in this film is completely incidental. The arc of the story is all psychological, internal, and I really like that. The protagonist is so unlikable. He's so horribly unlikable to me. You didn't I get- mean, I understand. I, I get he's got issues. Sure, sure, sure. But like, I just, I just don't, I don't like him. I can't stand him. Oh wow! And he does, he grows on you a little bit. Yeah, I find. And he grows I do on you. feel sorry for him, but he's also a dickhead. And to, I mean, I don't mind watching quote unquote bad characters. I'm not against that. I think that's fine. It's just, but I just don't like him. And maybe this is a thing. I just something of like what he looks like in his hair and stuff. I mean, he looks like Ian Brown. Well, I heard that's a positive spin or like some kind of like uh, Robert De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis type. But to me, he looks like someone's taken Peter Dinklage and stretched him. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Is that bad? Is that a bad thing to say? I don't think it is, but I disagree with you. I don't know. There's something weird. I don't know. I just, I'm not. I can't. Roman Duis. 
Oh wow! No, I, I've got nothing against the actor. He seems like he's a, he seems like he's a, a really good actor. He seems solid. I feel I like this is my this character. I don't like the character very much. Well, this is what's interesting to me is I'm like I'm intrigued as to what you as what works for you, what you really like about it. Because to me, this feels like Jacques Audiard had like this. If this feels like. From here to a prophet is a huge step up in filmmaking and storytelling mm. to me. And like, I think he's continued that on in the films that I've seen. So, like, this just feels, you could, to me, it feels like this is like a lesser, lower budget, obviously, fair play, but like, it just doesn't feel like it's. See, I feel like this is leaf. singing very much off the same hymn sheet as the likes of a prophet. Just a prophet is. You know, it's more expansive. It's an epic, so to speak. This is a much more contained story. Uh, you know, I mean, it never leaves the, the like. I the whole film feels like it's within two or three blocks of one another. You know, just in the center of Paris with these, yeah, relatively scummy people. Okay, so I suppose I have mentioned this already, but what I really, really did like about it is the fact that that moment where he just spins his car around to talk to his mother's old piano coach. And the fact that your man says, which is probably unrealistic, your man says, come in for an audition or whatever like that. And just the fact that that just connection to his mother through music just sort of almost forcibly evolves him. And he doesn't completely just change or roll over his ways like, you know, in a schmaltzy sort of a story. He just kind of... Because he has to. I mean, he's like, he has this obligation to his father. Yeah, I mean, but he also, I mean, that's just not realistic that someone would change like that. But he just becomes kind of more of a lad in a weird way. Like he get, like he starts shagging his. his yeah, but that's like that. T- speaking of tropes that you'll never ever see again. Yes. in film is a guy who tells his his tells his mate's girlfriend. I was covering up his cheating because I actually am madly in love with you, and I know that you're in love with me too. And she goes, like, after about five seconds, he runs after her and she's like, no, wait, actually, yes, we should shag. You'll never, ever see that in, in a film again. Maybe in 20 years when the culture, when the pendulum swings back. <laughs> when the pendulum swings uh, back. But you believed it, didn't you? No, I thought it was fucking stupid. Really? I, yeah, I thought it was like... Oh, uh, I disagree. And this is the most Because I think the actors have sexual tension ever. in it. You think so? Yeah, because her husband's a fucking nightmare. Yes, yes, sure. But that doesn't mean that she should shag. Maybe it's part of me. I'm just like, this guy works in real estate. I know estate agents. <laughs> oh, yeah, but th- this is a different type of real estate. Like, yeah, these... well, these are put fucking rats in the building, estate agents. They're flipping these, properties. They're the top, yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're shy bags. As fast but as still, they can. Th- it is weird how tied to 2005 this film is, just even with Tom's hair. There's something mm. about this, like, this feels way older than even if you know the other film from 2012, Place Beyond the Pines. Like, I mean, that seven-year gap. Even though Place Beyond the Pines had parts that were set in 1994, this feels like a period piece. Just like I don't know, something about capturing yeah. 2005. Him walking down the street and listening to Block Party on his headphones and things. It just feels like. You know, people did listen to Block Party. Yeah, I, I did. I, I was there. I was there at the time. But then also, like him being, you know, like he's listening on his headphones, like did did it did it, and his dad asks him, "What are you listening to?" And he's like, "It's this called electro." Yeah, electro. I don't know. It just feels like that's very French. Yeah, it is very French. They're called Daft Punk. Do you know what? 
Belen watched this alongside me and she didn't uh, she wasn't too hot for it either so mm. I did sort of predict this would happen would happen but I still what, what did what was her she just was like eh. yeah she was just uh, she she was just like I don't know she said she just wasn't into his story as so but much. that's I mean sometimes things just click and that's you know that's always a thing about watching films where you're like you know there's certain films which are maybe I mean, this one, obviously people like it and it's, it's, it's like a well-received film, but every so often I come across a film that, you know, in general people don't like, but I'll still go like, ah, oh, I completely connect with mm. X, Y, and Z. You're all, there's always going to be something that you favor. Mm. That's what, that was like my questioning is just like, what is it about it that connects with you? Because well, I, I didn't get that. Connection. I also do think it's like an unusual story. It is an unusual story, but it's also a remake of the uh, nineteen seventy eight. That's a very Fingers. different film, apparently. I don't know. James Toback, the Sex Pest, starring um, Harvey Keitel, and the uh, Minskov type role of the the mafia guy, played by uh, Tony Sirico, Polly Walnuts. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he was the, the like mafia guy. But that's more much. That's much more this, the 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 plot in that that is the revenge angle of it, and the piano stuff doesn't play as much of a of a part in it. I suppose what I just found very interesting is just like how him getting into music is it was a sort of oblique way of him I don't know connecting with his mother. Let's say because you can clearly see in him a man who was raised by his dickhead father. Sure. And his father is a fucking nightmare, and he's also a bit of a pussy. It seems like like he's he's got his son to do his dirty work, and his son's job, as far as he sees it, is his dirty work. He sees the his he sees his mother's old uh, manager. His mother was a was a was a concert pianist, and um, flips the car around and says, uh, "Hello, whatever." They, your man says, "Come for an audition with me at some point or another." And then we see back in um, Thomas's apartment. And he's got this whole music set up. Um, and you just kind of got the impression, ah, there's this other side to him that w- you would have had no clue about in the first 15 minutes of the movie because you've just seen him going around the place almost being a gangster. They're like legal gangsters in a strange way. They're, ju- they're cunts. They're just absolute dickheads. Just, and, and the movie wants I to I think show they are them. breaking the law from time to time. The movie wants to show them as dickheads as well. For sure, like they're I mean, just... it starts with them putting rats into a building to exactly. get people out, and then they have squatters in another one, and they smash everything up. And like, yeah, exactly. They're like doing coke in bathrooms with floozies and getting into fights and shit like that. They um, just work in. It's just real estate. <laughs> it's just classic real estate. Real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, she like she had died before his father. Like he he mentions to his father that he ran into this guy. The father is like, yeah, whatever. Your mother was a bit a bit of a piece of work. And he goes to get these concert, these lessons with this Chinese lady. I think those. She's actually, uh, she's from uh, Vietnam. Oh right. Yeah. Any road, and gradually you just kind of see him come out of his sort of shell a bit. And co- fair enough, coming out of his shell for him entails shagging his friend's wife and also shagging the girlfriend of a gangster, which is is pretty from Shosanna from Inglorious Bastards, yeah. looking well. And him eventually fucking up in an audition, not getting it right. And then they flash forward to whatever, a year or so later. Two years. 
and he's married to his former piano instructor who can now speak French and he finds the guy, he sees the guy about to attend a concert who kills his father. Cru- cru- absolutely crushes the guy's cock and balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his hand and like Great no- scene, knocks him out. I thought that was a really good fight. He loses scene. consciousness after getting his, his knob crushed. And then Which is an he interesting declines to kill him and attends the concert anyway. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, the, the, the parts that I connected so much with is I, I just, I, first of all, it's like watching a coming of age for a 28-year-old real estate agent by way of music. I found that a, an interesting way to approach the story. I think his central performance is really good. I when think, did you first watch this? I would have been one or two years ago only because I would have been is living that? where I'm living now. Yeah. One or two years ago. I just thought maybe this was something that was like imprinted on you when you were younger or something. No. Actually, no, it might have been my last place, but definitely while I was living in Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might have been actually whatever year Rust and Bone came out. I think that That's might That's 2015 or something. 2015? I don't know, because I remember I didn't watch that, but I watched this. Mm. So yeah, it was, it's been a while. This is only the second time I've seen it, but uh, it hasn't diminished in my view at all. So yeah, I like how unusual it is. I like how psychological it is. Uh, I love to see, you know, a guy getting laid. Rustin Bone was 2012. Okay, then it must have been a little bit after that because yeah. I was definitely living in Barcelona when I saw this. Um, I also think that that thing that you brought up that you like about Jack Odierd, I think the sequences with classical piano and the, like the montages to that are really good. I really enjoyed those. And uh, yeah, all of that. Well, all of these Odierd filmmakers stuff. are really good with music. Yeah. It's good soundtracks. You didn't think anything of um, Roma- Romain Doris's central performance? You didn't think he was good? Maybe it's just because I dislike the character so much. I think he was good, but the f- the amount that I disliked him just meant I don't care. I don't huh. care about his... I don't what care did you about dislike him. so much about him? I've given you my what I liked. And if this is the thing that's holding you back, tell me, what did you dislike so much about just him? Just because he's an arsehole. I mean, he's just like a criminal... But not in a fun way. It's not even a proper criminal. Just like a sort of crap thug. Just everything he says is like a bit. I don't. Everything he says is like a bit arsehole-ish. <laughs> he's constantly rude, and you know, he's just. Hmm. He just. He's. He's just not very fun. There's something the about his face one as well. His face is like constantly set to like. He's got a face like a slapped arse. In like on a scale of like one to Jordan Belfort, where would you <laughs> land on this guy? He's not as bad as Jordan Belfort, obviously, but I mean, he's more openly hostile than Jordan than Jordan Belfort. Jordan Jordan Belfort's just like seems more like a happy go lucky dickhead. Yeah, but like that's because like Thomas Sayre is basically like a, a sort of an incomplete human in a way. Sure, I and I, I obviously I feel you know like I, I would say that's bad <laughs> that he had a hard childhood, etc. And I do feel bad for that. Mm. And I think there are elements of the film sometimes where you capture that. But like, he's even a dick to the piano teacher lady and just constantly is like a dick to everyone. He's so quick to anger and to, to violence. And yes, I, I'm aware that's how he was raised. But as a viewer, I'm like, I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry. I don't. This is a habit with uh, Jack Odierd and uh, Jack Odierd characters. With but you. I didn't feel that with any of the other ones. Yes, you did. You Who? um, you really disliked for similar reasons the male lead in Rust and Bone. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't even consider him like the. You know, I like the lady who got chewed up by the killer whale. The no legs lady. Yeah, I have no legs. I have no legs. 
<laughs> I love that bit. It's classic. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry, man. Fair play. This is this was a this this film is on uh, YouTube. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants to watch the beat that my heart skipped, if they haven't seen it, it's certainly worth watching. But is apart from that, it's quite hard to get hold of a decent copy uh, with well your... lined up subtitles. Is yeah, that what you're well, referring to? Well, no, actually, but just like if you're a nice looking copy at my local blockbuster, they had apparently had all been rented. If you can, if you're willing to, um, if you're willing to, you can also queue subtitles up. Yeah, I mean, if you love VLC, you can change the, you can hasten them or well, if you're delay w- them. If your Spanish is up to scratch, you'll find oh. it on Film In uh, oh. uh, Spanish. Yeah, service, I could have done that. Sure. I, I mean, I, I like I my it. like listening in French is okay for me. I, I like having the the subtitles just to help me a bit, but like mm. my French is okay enough to to know what people are saying. Really? Yeah, I mean, I lived in France. I studied French is the language I studied the most. Oh, I didn't at know school. That. I studied French for many many years. Je suis un pamplemousse. Yeah, <laughs> I have always said that about you. Well, indeed. All right. So, uh, not a great week for Andy by the sounds of things. What are you talking about? It was a good. I got to see uh, the place beyond the pines, and uh, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed this film. I'm just saying that it's my least favorite out of Jacques Audiard's films. It's not that I disliked the film particularly, but the fact that I disliked the main character is what holds it back in comparison to the others. Okay, because there was no no legged whale victim here to balance out against a big dickhead. Yeah, that's fair. It needed more no legs lady. Yeah. To balance out against the main dickhead. We did see some ladies in various states of undress, but yeah. they had legs. I will say this. That first part where he's doing smoochie boochies with the wife, there's no, there's hardly any nudity, but it's very sexy. <laughs> that was like, I have major... He, ha- he asked her to stand in the doorway. Remember that? That's, but <laughs> like, I think the the bum grabbing in skirt is is yeah i know sexier what you're talking about i know what you're talking about i mean i like as a man who a man, as, as a man who doesn't uh, take in you're not grabbing bums yeah yeah well I, no 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 i i don't i don't watch uh, i don't watch pern <laughs> sure I'm off the pern but that's you're watching things like this yes and i appreciate when somebody can fill my trousers without nudity that's that's <laughs> what i'm saying basically it's um lovely. Die! Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. Did I say that? Fill Good my God, trousers. I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> Fill your trousers with that. Oi, oi, oi. Other guys, cocks? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway. anyway. Do, I, do you want to hear about some cast members? Are we at that point? I would love to hear about some cast members. Please tell I've me. I've got very them. little to say because they're all French. But uh, Romain Duis, he, uh, yeah, he was the lead in uh, L'Auberge Espagnole. Have you... Heard about that? Heard about this? L'Auberge Espagnole. No, what's This that? was like a big thing. I remember back when it came out. It's from like 2002. I think in the UK it's called like Potluck or something. It's set in Barcelona. It's a bunch of people on their Erasmus year and they're all in a flat together. Mm-hmm. And it's like a big, it was like a big thing at the time. No, at I least never heard it, of this. No, okay. Because that like... At the same, I think when it came out is when I was like studying in France, and it was like a big like this is the Erasmus film. It's so much like our experience. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't so it was sound like very a big good. Thing. Is it good. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but it's got like Kelly Riley, Kevin Bishop's in it weirdly, hmm. and uh, yeah, old uh, Roman Duis. He's uh, the lead. I never got around to watching it. Maybe I'll put it up for a toss eventually, but maybe we do. Maybe we should. Still, 
stretched out Peter Dinklage. I'm going back to that. Right. So we had Niels uh, Niels Alstrup. We've talked about him before. Legend, the French Brendan Gleeson. There's nothing more to say about him. Uh, Lin Dam Pham, who played Miao Lin. She's Vietnamese, as uh, mentioned. She was in Mr. Nobody. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a huge. I'm a. I'm a huge defender of the film Mr. Nobody. What's Mr. Nobody again? It's the one where Jared Leto. It's as directed by Jaco Van Dormiel, I think he's called, and it's um, it's about like a kid who his parents split up, and his dad is Reese fans, and his mom is some lady, and no, he's running this. after a train, and then he either goes with his mom or he stays with his dad. And it creates like two branching futures. Is it sliding doors? It's sliding doors, but it's like philosophical and it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. I think somebody told me about this recently when I was telling them about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, it's a similar vibe. It's a similar vibe. I'm a huge fan of this film. Anyway, she's in it. She's one of the ladies that Jared Leto puts in his cult. And she, in 2018, she was in an episode of Casualty. Very good. <laughs> so it's, you know, things are still happening. That's what I'm saying. It's not over for her. Uh, Jonathan Zakai uh, played Fabrice, who was the the guy he worked with, who was out cheating on his lady. Uh, he's in Le Bureau, which is like the oh, the, I've watched yeah, that. the Bureau. That's Have great. you seen it? Yeah, yeah I heard yeah. it was good. Have you watched it? No, it's like the French spy thing. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I wanted really recommend I wanted checking that out. That. How much of it have you seen? Uh, the first two seasons. Okay, I think there's like five or something. Yeah, yeah. There's. I'm, but it's like really good. As a matter of fact, I'm was trying to think of something to watch there the other night. I'm going to go back and and check out series three of that. It's really good. Solid. So compelling. The last French thing I tried to watch was Spiral, and I made it through half of the first episode. Everyone says it's like the French Wire. I made it through half of the first episode, and it's so poorly made. I I'm sure it gets better. I'm sure it's amazing. The Bureau is, like, not only, I mean, just for good locations and plots complicated enough that you could actually believe them, but I I believe the French government looked into the production of that, basically, and the supposition is that it was so accurate in its depiction of the security services that they wondered how people knew what they were on about. But I high, high recommend for anybody listening. Solid. Next up is uh, Emmanuel Devos. She played Chris. That is the the one that Tom's dad is uh, going out with. Oh yeah, okay. That Niels Niels Alstrup is mm-hmm. uh, getting fired into. She's the female lead in Read My Lips, the previous Jack Odiard film, opposite Vincent Castle or Vinnie Castles. Ain't seen that. That's the one about. Um... She is a lady who's going deaf, and yeah. Vincent Castle is like an ex-con. Why do you and refuse to say Vincent's name in its sexy way? Vince, Vincent Cassel. Yeah, there we go. He's uh, he's an ex-con, and then she helps. They help each other out. It sounds very Jacques Audiardi. Mm. Audiardi. It does, yeah. yeah. I like the cut of his jib. I like the I like his What's brand of psychological movies. By the way, yeah, this will be something now. Uh, would you count this as a psychological film? Do you think? Because my my wife was arguing Isn't against me. A psychological film. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I th- I don't think everything is. It's psychological in the mind of the viewer, I but I think know. this is basically the arc of this film is completely internal. I guess with with little relation to the incidents that are put front and center in the film. Yeah, I guess you're watching his behavior in incidents rather than the. Sure, I mean it's showing you a character, and there's all kinds of stuff has happened in the past. Mm. 
and he's dealing with it. Yeah, I don't think it makes a huge deal about it, though. About what? About, like, obviously it's him dealing with trauma, but I don't think the film is, like, that focused on it. I don't even think he is dealing with trauma. I basically so? no. I think I I, I this is the main gist of it. Uh, like I don't think he's dealing with the loss of, uh, the loss of his mother. I I basically like if you look in the in the Wikipedia summary, one something that I didn't pick up on in the film, but he's twenty eight and apparently his mother died about nine years ago. So mm. he, he she was there his whole life. But basically, oh, so it's fine then. It's nothing to worry about. That's not it? what I was saying. But I'm saying that when Get she she died, he went completely into the world of his dad, and music stopped being a part of his life. Right, and music his life reconnecting to music sort of did something to him that had been missing since. And I think that's interesting, watching the way he behaves becomes sort of more impulsive. Like in the in the opening scene, his opening scene, well, no, not his opening scene because there's the guy talking to him about his father, about being a father. And then when he's in the car, he's just really aggressively arguing over money and splittings and numbers and stuff like that. But then after that, basically, the money becomes sort of incidental to him and he becomes a full-time poon chaser. He's just a French man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he finally about? becomes a French man He's a once French he learns man to play of 2005. Piano. Exactly. He's running down the street finally. going like, Getting what I, mean. I actually love you. That's why I'm chasing after you. And I know you love me too because we once shared a glance. They share a few glances. Sure. Come on. Last up is uh, Emily Lauren. You've already mentioned that. She's Shoshana in Inglorious Bastards. So good on her. Good on. Okay, here's listen. Here's the real deal. Can you tell me any of the top five plot keywords from IMDb? You're gonna like these. Are they in ones. French? No. Okay, piano. No, uh, piano does feature in one of them. Yeah, the word piano is in one of them. I'll give you that. Hitting head on piano keys. Well, so it's key <laughs> phrases. <laughs> this is a fucking thing. These are the top five plot keywords. I'll tell you what they are. It's male nu- male nudity, gay slur, homosexual. Hitting head on piano keys, watching TV. So if anyone Hold ever on. asks what what film what film is the male nudity, gay slur, homosexual hitting head on is piano keys watching TV? Is there male nudity in this film? Like a chest, maybe. Yeah, but you don't see willies. Well, but you could just understand that when and people are the... on IMDb, this is what they're doing. This is what they're looking for. And where is gay slur in it? I well, bo- gay slur probably No, appears. Neil, Neil Zalstrop uh, refers to the piano guy as, oh, I right. think he calls him something nasty. But there's no homosexuals besides that, are there? Uh, I don't think so, which is weird. That's what's weird is that someone has hyper-focused on these elements and was like, I'm going to put these up at the top. But this is <laughs> this is a good game. <laughs> the, the it five is. It's a fun game. Words. I'm liking it. I'm, right, we're, we're, I'm fucking I'm coining this. This is this is my wordle. Yeah, I don't have anything, anything much else to say. I enjoyed it. It's fine, but it... Uh, Here's my top four Odiard, because I've only seen four. It's Deepan at the top, then mm. a prophet, then Rustin Bond, then this. Okay. That's that's how I roll them out. Cause still got to see Sisters Brothers and Mine would probably go I will revise what I said to, uh, uh, about this beforehand. I would say it's no longer my favourite Odiard. Haven't rewatched everything. Well, haven't rewatched a prophet and, and seen mm. Deepan for the first time since seeing this. But I still quite like it. I like it more than Rust and Bone. I like it more than The Sisters Brothers. Then probably comes Beat That My Heart Skipped. Then, yeah, probably A Prophet and Deepan. Yeah, same. It's just it's just Rust and Bone that's changing here. And I haven't seen Sisters Brothers. I, I like Rust and Bone. Despite, uh, what's that guy called? Matthew Schonartz. I'm not a huge fan of him, but... it's. Uh, I, I remember my issue with uh, Rust and Bone being, it's just... It's almost, 
it's almost it's almost too poetic the story do you know what i mean yeah maybe it's like uh his least realistic film something like that yeah all right well i guess are we at the toss we are I'll go first. So uh, I decided to go for a film from 1959, keeping it as relevant as possible, directed by Otto Preminger. Oh, no. And, <laughs> or Preminger, I assume it is. Hell yeah. And that is uh, Anatomy of a Murder. A nice uh, clocking in at 2 hours 41. It's rated X. So God knows what kind of uh, IMDb keywords we'll get on this one. It's rated X. It is rated X. Oh, wow. Even though it takes, well, you're going to, you know, you're going to like some of these keywords. Even <laughs> though it takes place entirely, I believe, in a courtroom. Uh, wow. All right. Well, um, mine is Bob Foss's, I think, 1970 Pamdor winning All That Jazz. All That Jazz. Okay. Yeah, Very I did similar. well to say jazz there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What are my coin options? Wow. Uh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Fuck it. It's me. You're, what the hell is that? Some kind of, like a giant Nazi eagle. Or a one. I'll be a one. Fine. Fair play. It's giant Nazi eagle. Always go Nazi <laughs> eagle. Damn it. Uh, what might I have won? You were going to win. Well, actually, you were quite lucky because you were going to win a film about a stand-up comedian. And seeing as you said today that well, you did like Lenny, it, I was going to do Lenny, the uh, film about Lenny Bruce with Dustin... Hoffman. Oh, it would have been an interesting week. Um, I'm going uh, a similar route to yourself, and I'm going a uh, same director, basically, is going to be my connection. I'm going to go with the first one that he got nominated for an Oscar for, Laura. Laura, from 1944. Is... Holy hell, we're going back in time here, folks. Yes, and let's indeed. hope it's... Oh, it's only an hour 28. Yes, okay, solid. <laughs> Very good. A police detective falls in love with the woman whose murder he's investigating. It w- feels it like spoilers called, right there. Gene the Tierney. girl the policeman fell in love with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starring, it's got, it's got Vincent Price in it. Hell yeah. I bring you the best, buddy. Okay. Let's hope it's uh, it's easy to get hold of. We don't know what we'll be watching next week, do we? Oh, I tell you what. Why don't we watch Champions? What's that? It's the Farley, one of the Farley, Farley brothers, and it's got Woody Did Harrelson. We make it the Spanish one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With oh, the special yeah. needs basketball team. I love the Spanish one. Yeah, fuck it. Let's watch okay. that. Okay. We're doing it. Okay, next up, Champions. It's got to be short. There's no way they're making a two-hour film about that. Let's find out. Is it 90 minutes? It's it's two hours and three minutes. The fuck? Jesus Christ. What is (laughs) happening in this world? Still. (laughs) I mean, God, yeah. I thought that was was 90 minutes out for sure. Yeah, I thought they were going to get tired. Oh, well. Let's give it a blast anyway. Yeah. No? Sure. Yes. Yeah, I'll watch it. Excellent. All right. It's got to be good. Championes. Uh, see you next week for Championes. Uh, you can hear it right now, but I'm face-to-face with Andy Ritchie. He's That's alive true. and We're well in, in Barcelona. Place. And we uh, hope to be um, maybe moving to a studio, no? We'll see. Yeah, okay, that's a fair. We'll response. see. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You might get to see our sweaty faces for 60-second clips. Who knows? All right. Uh, until then, bye. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.